television is where all the big risks are being taken, where the most exciting work is happening. And this is a festival that celebrates that. Finally, there's an independent avenue for people who want to just go into the TV business. It's just wonderful to have an outlet for all of the creativity that's happening in television and in new digital media right now. The fact that there's this, there's Series Fest, which allows you to put it in front of an audience and gives you a platform to put it out there. Like that's the most impactful thing as artists that we can ever hope for. Hello, this is Claire Taylor, the Director of Programming at Series Fest. I'm super excited to be welcoming our listeners to Series Fest Season 7 and the first ever Next in Queue, a special spotlight on podcasts. At the heart of our festival are the independent content creators. And over the past year, the art form of audio storytelling has taken them to new heights. This spotlight features four original series, including... Three's Company's Adventure Department, Feminist Foremothers, The Seriously Darkest Timeline, and Where the Hell Am I? Make sure to check out the Q&As with all of our podcast creators, which follow the episodes, and I hope you enjoy the extended listen into the innovative creation behind all of these selections. Enjoy. I pull up and see my dad waiting in a boat, which is the only way to get to where we're going. Immediately, I know Tanae's gonna lose her shit. When Tanae and Adam get to the dock, it's already dark. And if you've ever gone down a bayou or a canal in the dark, there is no dark, like middle of the swamp dark. What do you see, Chelsea? There's so many eyes staring back at us. I have a flashlight and I'm sitting at the head of the boat. And as I flash it, all we see are eyes looking back at us and it's hundreds of alligators. Right there. Right there. Right there. And you feel a little less alone while watching everything watch No, 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 no. No way. I can see them cheeks smiling from here and it's in the darkness. (laughs) No pentagons on the ground. Pentagons? I mean. This is Where the Hell Am I, a podcast where I get to take my best friend to a different haunted location with a fucked up history each episode, and she has no idea where she's spending the night. Let's find out. Where the hell am I? Are we good? good. All right, so I guess (laughs) we should introduce ourselves. Hi, I am Chelsea Bryan, and my co-host is... The Tanae and Triago. Um, and what are we doing here tonight, Tanae? You mean besides each other? Besides that, yes. Um, I don't know what the hell we're doing here. I'm glad that you made that joke as my father sits to my right. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Okay, so what are we doing here? What is this? So what I know up until this point in my life is that we're here in the swamp of Louisiana filming episode one 
of our podcast. And what's the name of that podcast? It's called Where the Hell Am I? And why is that the name of the podcast Well, today? because, Chelsea Bryan, if you must ask, it's because um, um, I, out of the four people who are here with us right now, don't know where the hell I am. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so for our podcast for Where the Hell Am I, basically we get to take Tanae to a different location that has had some really fucked up shit happen there or is haunted or who knows we might get a little bit crazy at oh, some okay. point during this first cool, season cool, 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 cool. and Tanae has no idea where she is and can you kind of describe what you thought you were going to do today and then where we are yeah. sitting right now so today I thought you know I woke up this morning feeling good, looking forward to whatever the hell we were going to be doing Lies. today. We're <laughs> not looking forward to this. I'm glad that you were very positive right now, but I know you were not happy at all. So for the listeners, um, I'm a pussy, and uh, it's, uh, it's not something that I'm proud to admit, even though pussies are very strong and durable. Um, I am not a huge fan of things that are scary um but today and because chelsea's my best friend i decided that i would commit to this podcast because what else are we doing in our lives right now <laughs> that's 100 percent correct um and so i woke up today knowing that something was going to happen i was going to be going somewhere that i didn't know where i was going um and for those of you who don't know adam and triago my other half is doing sound, and so it was... Adam Chelsea- on the ones and the twos. Adam <laughs> on the ones and the twos. Sorry. I don't even know what that means. I'm sorry. C- continue. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. I feel like I heard it in a movie somewhere, but maybe that's radio. I don't know what we're doing. Continue. I'm sorry. No, I'm it's sorry. good. It's good. Um, so I, I woke up knowing that we were going to be doing something scary, but as the day went on and time went on today... I had this hunch that I wasn't going to be in a haunted place that had walls or floors, but that I was going to be outside. And so I turned to Adam while we were in the car and I said, are we going to be, are we going to be outside? (laughs) And he looked at me as hard as he could without smiling and was like, no, don't worry about it. We're not going to, what are you? (laughs) And I was like, we're going to, am I going to be outside? Sleeping on the ground. So from that point on, I was pretty pissed off. Because I wasn't smart enough to set the boundary to say, I will do this podcast, but just no outdoors. (laughs) So I was very mad, and I took out all of my anger on Adam and Triago. And Adam and Triago texted me and was like, she knows. She knows we're going outside. She knows we're camping. Yep. Mm -hmm. Red alert. But I still just don't know where I am. I do know that I had to take a fucking boat to get here, first of all. (laughs) Which was not cool, seeing a bunch of eyeballs in the dark on the way in. Oh, that was so cool. It was actually kind of cool, I will say. Hopefully alligators staring at us and not just, like, reanimated corpses coming from the... Yeah, 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 that, that, exactly that. The depths of the swamp. Mm, The depths, love that word. So, Chelsea, where the hell am I? Oh, Tanae, I'm so glad that you asked. I'm so glad. So, 
We are currently in the Manchac Swamps. Okay. Right outside of a little town that used to be a town called Frenier, Louisiana. So, I'll tell you a little bit about the town. Okay. Um, Manchac Swamp is famous for being one of the most haunted bodies of water in the world. Wow, love to hear that. Not love just it. Louisiana, not just the U.S., in the world. Which I actually initially knew that it was a big deal in the States, but... Yeah, it beat out some pretty creepy fucking places. Cool. So, so just so, so people who are listening know, um, Chelsea and Adam set up our tent right next to the water, which is great for me. All right. Yeah, you nothing, can continue. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> so in the mid-1800s, German immigrants actually settled and formed the town of Frenier and a few little towns around it. It was real separated from... Anyone else, so people had to take a train to get out here. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, it was just a duck, okay? It was a geese. Uh, or goose, I mean. Okay. Geese is the plural okay, form of yeah. goose, if, right. you did, if you needed to know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're about a half hour away from New Orleans, where we're from. Um, the towns actually don't exist anymore. They are ghost towns. So the towns are Ruddick, Rainier, and Napton. Okay. And they were, like, booming at that point. You know, secluded, but still doing really well. So this swamp is actually unique in it's not just haunted by one thing. There's not just, like, one thing cool. that makes this place really fucked up and scary. There's two things. Great. So Love I'll more than one thing. start with the most or more lighthearted of the two. Yeah. And we kind of, like, ease into it. It'll uh-huh. be the floor play. Like a Band-Aid, sure. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's... No, that's you pull that's your shop. band-aids yep, off. You're right. You're okay. <laughs> I, I, I like to pull Sorry. my band-aids off slowly. I don't know about you, but such a masochist. Oh, is a masochist yeah. when you like to no, is a sadist when you inflict pain on yourself? Adam, you know this answer. I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very disappointed. I for sure thought you knew. Um, all right. So I'm sure you've heard of this uh, first guy before. Real real big name around town. Okay. Uh, the Rue Garou. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. Let me tell you. I'm going to give you a little backstory. I don't know his backstory, so... You don't know. No. Okay. So, the Rue Garou is the Cajun werewolf. Mm-hmm. Didn't know but it was it a werewolf. Act- yep. Yep. It's a werewolf. But it's it's a little bit of a, a werewolf dipped in Catholic guilt. Cool. So, there's a little bit more going there. Um, it actually uh, originated... In medieval France. And oh, wow. it was the loop guru. So sometimes you'll hear someone say Lugaru, Loop Guru, um, Rougarou. People still use the different names now, but back then it was Loop Guru, which quite literally translated into werewolf. Okay. From French. Um, it mainly was created out of convenience for people being really lazy and blaming people for shit. So, like, if a person was being an asshole or just having, like, a shit day, other people in the village would accuse them of being a loop guru. And it it echoed witch trials in which, you know, they would, they would be a quote-unquote trial. Uh-huh. But almost, like, nine times out of ten, they were guilty. Yeah. Like, I couldn't really find much on what would happen if you would be convicted as a Lucaru, but I'm sure it wasn't like a spa day right. downtown. Right. Like it wasn't anything pleasant. It wasn't, yeah, it was more like a... More 
like maybe a, a light roasting. Yeah, a little bit of a or silver bullet situation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, why is the water getting louder? I just want to know that. It's um, all of the the souls of the dead. Great. Being beckoning mm. or beckoned. Poor is it beckoning? <laughs> Ursula just comes out of the water. <laughs> it would be a very different night than what I expected, but I wouldn't be down for <laughs> Ursula to come out. Um, so over time, people started using the legends around Loop Gurus as like, glorified scared straight programs okay yeah so it wasn't just to prevent people from doing like actual fucked up shit or, or going and terrorizing the town now i shit you not the main purpose was to punish catholics for not obeying the rules of lint very what very specific oh my gosh so if you refuse to observe lint for seven years in a row you would be transformed into a loop crew. So by logic, we we're we're, we're loop crews. Oh my this gosh. is our this is our time. What an honor. <laughs> um, I remember being told as a kid, not by this guy, surprisingly, <laughs> um, but by other relatives and just in general that like if you fucked up or if you were bad the Rugaru would come get you. Like that was the boogeyman or the Bigfoot. That was like out the, in the Cajun woods. equivalent. Yes. Okay. Exactly. And a, a really, really cool, or something that I thought was really cool aspect of the Rugaru is when the Cajuns came to, you know, Nova Scotia, and when they started kind of trickling down, they actually started melding legends with Native Americans. Okay, cool. So, I don't actually, no, I don't think you're going to think this is cool. Oh, great. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. Um, namely, it was one specific legend called um, the Wendigo. Have you heard of the Wendigo No, before? I haven't heard of this. You haven't? Love Adam, a legend, though. Adam, just... you, please tell me you've heard. Oh, yeah. He, Adam is shaking his head. He knows. Um, Adam is shaking his head like an, of course, like, who the fuck am I? Well, that's what I thought you would do earlier when I asked you what a sadist or masochist yeah. was. And then you were like, I don't know that. And so I'm disappointed and I'm not going to expect anything from you. So she's got to check herself anymore. before she asks you another question ever again. <laughs> so um, in Native American legend, uh, the Wendigo is the monster that a man transforms into once he's eaten the flesh of another man. So it wasn't just a monster that ate people. It was the perversion of eating another man that slowly turned you into this creature. Okay. Um, their main goal is actually just to scare people and to make them not make the same mistakes. So it's like, that guy or like that uncle that did a lot of drugs when he was a kid and he's always like trying to like scare you straight and yeah. make sure that you don't turn out like Uncle Jimmy, that uh -huh. kind of thing. Uh -huh. That's what the Rugaru is. Okay. But once you fuck up and become a Rugaru, you stay cursed for 101 days specifically. Wait, ooh, that's that's it? <laughs> well, every time there's a full moon, you transform into this hideous monster, uh -huh. body of a man head of a dog or a wolf. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know, I know. When I was looking more into it, I was like, why the fuck was I scared of this guy? <laughs> like, he just doesn't want me to make bad mistakes. And Sounds he's like not a guardian actually... angel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, why, so you saw me doing something very specific earlier while we were squatting behind that tree over there, peeing. Mm. Oh, I, I should say, after we peed, oh, yeah. I started picking up. Shells, shells and counting them very specifically and yeah. putting them in front of her tents. Do you have any clue why I did that? Um, 
maybe the Ruguru likes likes to make shell necklaces in his <laughs> spare really time. Good, like he has, what is it? The like Buka it's shells? a la 2004. <laughs> Hi, you my know? name is Brayden. He's just like stuck in his nostalgia. He's like, I have frosted tips and I really like listening to Smash Mouth. Yeah. So this is ridiculous, but this is why I did this. So apparently you can protect yourself from the Rugaru because they hate math. They're really bad at math. Okay. And if you place 13 small objects in front of your door or your tent opening or like between you and the outside, um, when a person changes into a Rugaru, they forget how to count past 12. And they handle that situation by... Aborting? No, 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 no. That would be better if he was just like, I can't do it. I, I see that there's a lot of things right there. I can't count them. No, they'll just keep counting them over and over and be confused until daylight when they turn back into a human. So, so I'm going to wake up and what you're telling me is I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and I'm going to hear someone saying, you're going to hear the one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, and then he's going to get to 12 and be really fucking pissed. You're going to be like, God, <laughs> where's my noise machine? Yeah, I can't make that shit up. I read it twice and then I checked it at another spot and I was like, okay. It's right. for real. I can see why this doesn't get passed down as much as the whole like Wolfman thing. Oh my gosh. Um, cool. It, it, part of me when I was thinking about this or when I was reading it, I just thought of like a super fucking tired mom whose <laughs> kid couldn't count for shit coming up with this legend to get her kids to practice fucking counting to like 13 every night. She's yeah. like, 13 rocks, Devin. Just 13 in front of the door. You'll be safe. That's all I could think. It's just so ridiculous. Uh, um, so even though the legend of the Rugaru goes back centuries, people still claim to have a run-in with them today. Even now? Even now. Wow. So specifically in Manchac, there are tons of reports of hunters hearing like impossibly loud howls that don't make any sense because there's a difference between coyote and wolf howls. Right, right. And so and this just doesn't sound like either one of those. Like this a, howl. Oh! I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't want to bring that out here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they're hearing impossibly loud howls. They're seeing things. They're catching things in their cameras. They're so you know hunters have cameras that are dad what what are those called oh infrared cameras and they'll have sightings of things in those so specifically the most sightings tend to be in manchac cool so that's exactly where we are currently oh also wait you're gonna like this oh am i (laughs) (laughs) there's also farmers in the area that report like their large cattle being slaughtered like not just like (sighs) wandered off, died, killed, like completely like gutted and killed. Um, mm. So wait, they don't like people, but they like steak. So I have a just, question. Oh, any, any time. What's the meth head population like? They could get hungry and just slaughter a cow. <laughs> Do you think it's like somebody who ate bath salts and just is like running around howling naked in the woods and they're like killing cattle? I mean, that's... That's no, like my optimistic. No lie, and I, I probably shouldn't be telling this story. I guess I won't name names, but there was a guy that I went to high school with. Or let me just say, like, after high school, I hung out in a little town outside of my little town. And it was a little bit more of a little, little town mentality. Mm-hmm. 
And this guy got really, really fucking mad that the Saints lost to the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Wait, no, no. Don't laugh because you're about to be really upset. He went out into a farmer's field and pulled out a calf and beat it to death with a baseball bat. You know, honestly, I'd probably do the same thing because the Cowboys suck and to be (laughs) beaten by the Cowboys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'll still eat veal though. It's like the same thing. He was just no go expediting the process. Oh my god! And he, but the thing is, the thing that's like really, I'm just joking, Peta. Peta, if you want to sponsor us, (laughs) Peta will never sponsor us. We literally just ate like. 12 ounce steaks before we sat down to do this. There's not a chance in hell. Uh, A broken dream. All right. All right. So, this is my favorite. And I have been hearing about her. I don't like that you you use positive adjectives to describe horrible things. Oh, no, this isn't. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not. Just don't even try to defend yourself because at this point. I'm the only one who's on my side. So. This this is probably I don't know if this is gonna make you feel better or worse, but this is probably What do you think? What do you fuck, think, Chelsea? Let, well let's see, let's play it through. This is the least fucked up and negative one out of the rest of the season. So <sighs> the worst is yet to come. I'm so close to spontaneously combusting. <laughs> I was very intrigued. I was like, where is this going? Um, okay. All right. This is, let's, let's, let's get comfy. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's get comfy for sure. <laughs> Julia Bernard Brown, better known as Julia Brown, was born in Maryland in 1845. That's pretty much all I could find about her before she moved. Uh, she moved to New Orleans okay. in 1860. I wanted to assume before I knew she was from Maryland, I wanted to assume that it may have been because of slavery beforehand that we weren't able to know too much about her past. Um, but then there was some conflicting information about that. So I, I won't even speculate. So she quickly garnered a name for herself because she was very, very talented in voodoo. And she was also a midwife and a tritia. Uh-huh. A tritia. You, know you know what that is? I sure do. Tell a me Cajun, what it is. A Cajun faith healer. I Thank you, you, Lost Bayou. <laughs> Shout out to... Shout out to Lost Bayou. Lost Bayou. Amazing <laughs> friend. <laughs> It's a movie, you guys. You, you oh yeah, you, yeah. It's watch. It's actually available on VOD and Amazon Prime. No, Amazon Prime is VOD. It's video on demand. So Google Fuck Play. My life. <laughs> so I wrote what it is, but you know what it is—a mm-hmm. a native Creole healer, or a traditional healer of Cajuns and French-speaking Homa tribe, uh, whose primary method of treatment involves the use of laying on of hands. So. When somebody goes to a healer, um, it's mainly like they're laying hands on you. And oh, so, I've done that before. Oh, not that kind. <laughs> not that kind. The kind in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Tene and Triago. No, I've done that too. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just going to blow through. I'm not even going to question. Um, I actually went to a faith healer. A oh, Cajun wow. Healer. I was going to ask you if you'd mm. ever been to one. See, I... Did not remember that I had until... I'm, I'm, che- I'm fact-checking. I'm looking at your dad to see if you're telling well, the dad, truth. Well, dad, he's not going to remember this he shit. He went like this. Do you remember when I was six? Do you remember when I was six? <laughs> 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 so 
sorry, Dad. That was very broad. That was such... That was, like, so specific. <laughs> the end. Wait, let me tell the story. Then he'll know. He'll no, know. but he was shaking his head yes as oh, if really? he was affirming you. Okay. All right. I, I can't see him, and he's always such a smart Well, ass. I can, and I hate it, so... <laughs> he's scaring the shit out of today. Um... Anyway, um, so yeah, when I was really little, I actually might have been younger than that. <laughs> so it's confession time. This is my confessional. <laughs> I had a really big problem with pissing myself in the middle of the night, yeah. you know, wetting the bed. And I would always get, it, it came from like, I had bladder infections all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Go, I never knew I did. I just have a high pain tolerance and I'd go and I'd have to get a ton of antibiotics and I actually, what I was saying before is I didn't remember this until we got the call for Lost Bayou and I heard what it was about and then it just fucking hit it, like, me. It like dawned and I on said, you. Holy, it's just one of those memories that you just, it isn't at the forefront of your brain. Yeah. So it hit me. I was like, I remember, like I have memories. My mom took me to this old man on Bayou Blue Road. I can remember where we were. And I had to like lay down and they put holy water on me and just like, like laid hands and prayed and then my mom said that after that I never had a bladder infection again and I stopped like having all of those issues. Wow. But he was like this ancient I just remember him like he was praying in Cajun French. He was looked like he was like that old guy from Pixar that plays chess, like that guy <laughs> specifically in my mind. And uh yeah, so it was it was crazy, but that's been a tradition for a long time and the really cool thing um, with Cajun healers, Stratera's, is the fact that they can't accept money. It's all, um... It's all, like, a giving... It's giving because... It's like because God is using them. God is using them. Okay, And got so it. you can't use the gift that, God's, that God gives you for, um, like monetary benefit. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she was very, very, very talented... Which is why some people even refer to her as a priestess. So not just like a practitioner or a midwife, but a priestess as well. Amazing. So sometime after she moved, um, sometime after she moved to the town of Frenier that we just talked about. And she worked there as the town healer and the midwife. And she would provide healing and ointments and like incantations for everyone in that little like tri-town area. Okay. Which was pretty small. They didn't have, they weren't able to have doctors come out and all. So she was kind of the catch all. Okay. So in 1882, she married Celestine Brown, and that's when she became Julia Bernard Brown. Got it. And they were believed to have five children. I saw some reports that they had none. And then I saw, I found an obituary, um, a couple that said that they had five, but only three survived past uh, infancy. Oh, gosh. So, Celeste died between uh, 1910 and 1915. Also, couldn't really find a lot. But, Julia had a lot of land on her own before she married him. And then he was given 40 acres of land by the government. Cool, and that's where we are currently. Yeah. Wow. So. Wow, wow, wow. Um, before he died. So, by the time <sighs> he died, they actually owned most of the area. They were the most prominent landowners. Wow. Which was really cool because at the time, shit wasn't that great yeah. for African Americans. Yeah. So, Aunt Julia, as many people called her, so everyone around the town, they knew where they loved her. She was Aunt Julia. Um, 
unfortunately, a lot of people started taking her for granted. So it wasn't that they didn't love her or they thought less of her, but she was just always there. She was always giving. She did a lot of that shit for free. Yeah. So they would only go to see her if they needed something. So and the not room, anytime else. Yeah, not like, hey, do you want some cookies? Want to have a beer on the porch? Yeah. It's just, I have a yeast infection. Can you fix it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the rumor... Or the general consensus seems to be that because of this, she started to grow cold. Mm. And another thing she was known for is for being an oracle. So she was known to sit on her front porch with her guitar and just sing songs. And a lot of times people would realize that those songs would end up happening. So it wasn't like she was like, I predict the future. It was yeah. just after a while, you know, started, she was spitting some truth okay so a local woman had reported that before her death so before julia's death she began singing the same song over and over again do you want to hear it no i would like to not hear it so i'm gonna sing it for oh you. my god uh, when i die i'll take the whole town with me when I die, I'll take the whole town with me. And that's the only two lyrics. And she would rock and sing that. Cool. Day I have full body. Oh my gosh. I am losing my mind right now. Why? I just am. <laughs> just so scared. <laughs> Sorry. I looked over there. I was like, did you, did you see something? Adam, get the camera. <laughs> there was multiple eyewitnesses hearing her sing the song okay it wasn't recorded on vinyl unfortunately oh man i would have bought that shit yeah i'm sure you would have <laughs> it would be playing right now psycho on september 28th 1915 Aunt julia brown died at the age of 70 so she lived to a great age at the time mm -hmm. passed away and the she fall could have lived longer but in 1915 oh yeah you're right you think? Yeah. I feel like people died at like 35 then. Yeah. I mean, not really. It was biblical like... times. <laughs> <laughs> it was over 100 years ago. I mean, the Titanic sunk in 1912. That's true. My great-grandma was born in 1911. I thought you were about to tell me that your fucking great-grandma <laughs> rode the Titanic and I was about to And be she survived. So mad at you that you never told me that. <laughs> Okay, so no. I really had a visceral reaction no. just now. No. I'm um, sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> I'm very fucking disappointed. <laughs> Jesus. So the following day, her funeral. The entire town showed up. Even some people drove in from New Orleans. Actually, I, did they? Yeah, people had cars. Jesus they had cars. Jesse. They cranked them, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm a mess. <laughs> I don't know why I was like thinking like they had a fucking This covered... was the Flintstone era. I know it's not that bad. <laughs> Anyway, so people came in from New Orleans because she had a lot of respect from a lot of people. There's also some speculation that people heard her sing and had a lot of guilt and wanted to show face to be on the good side of her spirit. Everyone came in. They were in the church morning and going through the funeral service. And then at 4 p.m. The oh, there's a time? There's a time that's specifically... A very specific time. Okay. And this is documented because the hurricane of 1915 hit, which was a Category 4 hurricane. Whoa. Now, some people in the city 
they were expecting a hurricane to hit. Now they didn't have like the weather channel or anything right. like that. And the tools they had weren't as sophisticated, but in the cities they usually had some kind of indication. Yeah. But since Rainier was so far away, right. they had no warning, no word. So this is the report of what happened. Cool. Love a report. Love the something storm, that's documented. <laughs> the storm was so violent that the wind surged in gusts emitting that infamous hurricane whale. The unreal scream of the devil. The sound mixed with breaking glass and crashing debris utterly terrified the guests who panicked and left the funeral in a stampede. Some were able to make it to the railroad depot, but the winds were so intense that it collapsed, crushing those inside. 25 people died inside the railroad depot. Others ran to the swamp. A survivor stated that he held onto a cypress root for dear life and could hear the screams of those drowning in the swamp between the gusts of wind. Survivor Milton Brown reported that there had been a gang of men repairing the tracks at Frenier. When the storm was upon them, they had abandoned their work and fled for their safety. There was no safe space to go, and Brown, who had sought refuge on an uprooted cypress tree, saw six or seven of the fugitives literally swallowed up by the waves. He said that the outcries could be heard all through the afternoon and far into the night. There were survivors, but the towns were completely wiped off the map. There was 300 deaths in Louisiana and 60 were in Frenier itself. Whoa. So a large chunk. Yeah. There were so many bodies that people still report remains popping up. <laughs> Which is one thing about burying a body in a swamp yeah. or a bog. Gases and like how it happens eventually brings everything to the surface. After the storm, the body of Aunt Julia Brown was found washed up deep in the swamp along with the cypress box in which she had been sealed that Wednesday night. Her, her casket was never found, so she popped out of the... She was found like alongside the, the box, but not the casket. So her body was not inside the casket anymore? It, all the things that I could find said that it was alongside the casket. Okay. Now, the bodies that were found were placed in a mass grave with makeshift tombstones. The grave of Julia was actually placed 100 yards away from the rest of the body, so it was still in the same graveyard, quote-unquote, but not with everyone. And it still exists today, and you can still access it. What? Are you okay? No, I'm not. <laughs> I just saw you look in the distance. I'm not okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to get a little serious. Okay. Um, yeah, let's finish this story. <laughs> um, so, after reading a lot about Julia and just her as a person and everything she did for the community, and then this kind of built-up rumor, a lot of the legend was probably built up on the idea or the misconception that voodoo is nothing but black magic. Right. Or evil or inherently evil. Right. I, I did a bit of research um, because like, I was just getting this impression that it seemed like someone who was so loved in the community had the community turn on them after right. their death. And a lot of the fear that is rooted in voodoo and the the more commercialized entertainment side came from a fear from 
plantation owners and masters and white people that African-Americans or enslaved people were going to use this quote-unquote magic right. to uprise and to demolish white supremacy. Right. So that's where a lot of that got built up. And I think it's important, especially with a lot of the houses that we're going to be going to in a lot of places, to kind of talk and touch a little bit about voodoo. Because it's often used as a catch-all for everything, but it's actually a few different related religions that are based in Catholicism and West African Vodun. So, and I'm so sorry if I mispronounced that. I can't even pronounce my own English words. Um, I'm a mess. But there are different variations that are practiced in Louisiana and Brazil and the Dominican Republic and Cuba, but the most well-known, at least in America, is the Haitian voodoo. Right. And voodoo was one of Haiti's official religions, and it was created by enslaved Africans and their descendants who came into contact with Roman Catholics, uh, Roman Catholic missionaries specifically, in the 1500s and 1600s. That's why there's like this really strong connection with Catholicism with voodoo, and a lot of people don't realize that. They think it's like black magic, evil, but... It's like almost like like Christian magic. Yes, that's Mm -hmm. why there was this connection between voodoo and, like, Cajun faith healers and, and things like that. There was yeah. a big correlation between the two. Um, and the religion's fundamental principle is that everything is spirit. Humans are spirits who inhabit the visible world, and other spirits populate the unseen world. So everything is spiritual. And that's according to the Encyclopedia Britannica and an entry written by Elizabeth McAllister. And she's a, produ- a professor. Professor. Oh Lord, sorry, I'm getting killed with smoke right now, and I'm trying to keep it together. <laughs> Oh, she's a professor in religion, and I want to give her her credit, the author of a book about Haitian voodoo called Rara Voodoo Power and Performance in Haiti and its Dysphoria. What it seemed like is that Julia wasn't, like, cursing the town, and you see that, like, there was, like, a few, like, Haunted America episodes where it's, like, the curse of the voodoo witch and that kind of shit. Yeah. A lot of people think that she was warning the town. And it was her way. Oh. Like, because she was an oracle and she couldn't really... Like, maybe the song was the hurricane? Yeah, like, the thing is, like, like she's she letting was everyone know... as the hurricane? Well, no, it was the... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, then she was saying, like, when she died, everyone else was going to die. So right. that, like, that warning that this is going to happen, but a lot of people who are oracles don't have a lot of clarity. So, right. like, she's singing the song... So she was, it was probably her final act of what she was deeming as kindness right. to the people that she spent her life treating and healing and birthing, you know, that being said. Okay, great. There's always a catch, isn't there? There's always a catch. There's a reason why the swamp is so haunted and the ghost town of Frenier is also incredibly haunted. That's because... The amount of tragedy. When you think, I mean, we get a lot of warnings with hurricanes, but we've seen mm-hmm. what they can do. And imagine being in a town that did not have any shelter, didn't have anything. The amount of death that happened, people still hear what sounds like people screaming for help and drowning in the woods, in the swamp. Where we are. Where we are right yeah, now. Yeah, right currently. Yeah, right now. Like right on the rivers bank yeah. or the canal right here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> mm-hmm. The the most interesting thing I found by thumbing through firsthand reports was that a lot of the people that experienced this and have seen Aunt Julia, which 
There's a really interesting story that I read on Reddit where a couple from out of town stopped to pee because the wife was pregnant and there was a woman walking down the road. It was a dead-end road that went to a dock from one of the ghost towns mm. and she was acting incoherent and they thought she might have been homeless and she introduced herself as Aunt Julia and then just kept saying, I took them all. I took them all. And they didn't know what she was saying. And then it looked like there was bodies floating in the canal. Mm. They called the cops. Cops came. They put the woman in the back of the car because they saw the bodies. The, the backup came. Woman wasn't there anymore. Bodies were gone. Cool. And those people from out of town. So when they caught back to their families that were, I think, in Kenner area, that's when they found out. And so I really like that aspect that people are experiencing these things. Yeah. Not knowing like, it's not like us, you know, like, we're coming out here, we know the situation. Well, right. Well, we you now know. both know yes. the situation. But, like, pre oh, pregnant girl didn't know. Oh, pregnant girl didn't know. Mm -hmm. So, that is the story of Aunt Julia Brown and the Rougarou. I really wish it was a story of, like, a woman who just, like, really enjoyed making cookies and, like, offering candy. <laughs> Well, one of the things I really want to talk about and explore on the podcast is like, of course, we're coming out here and we're hoping to see something or experience something at the end. And I say we, me and Adam. Yeah, you, not you, you and Adam. Let's not, just be specific <laughs> here. But I also enjoyed while doing the research is really breaking down the quote unquote curse itself and how things are just molded over time mm -hmm. because at the base of every like haunting and everything it's there's always tragedy and yeah and there's a scar right like that's what creates a haunting something horrible happens it's this gash on the earth and it leaves a scar that we can still see and experience and i definitely want us to be i mean we're two dumbasses but i really want uh to be respectful to that and to talk about that and really call it for what it is yeah. when there's situations where people were just talking mad shit right. about Aunt Julia, you know? I mean, I know when I die, I'm going to be haunting y'all's asses for doing this shit to me. I was going to say I look forward to it, but then that would be horrible because I'm like... I look forward to your death. <laughs> for your timely death. Tanae, can you guess where oh, we're going to no. go... Look into my eyes. I don't, I don't want to speak it out into existence. Oh, it's going to happen. Because we the only ride in and the only ride out, oh, baby. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when we first started to go in the woods, I realized very quickly how difficult it was going to be to really get into the nitty-gritty and explore. Mm. Because of how dense the swamp was. Yeah, I think whenever we rolled up, I immediately felt felt alone. Like we were just, it was just us. And we were way far away from anything or anyone who could help us if something were to go wrong. This is a walking recording, number one. All right, fuck this. Why is there a soccer ball? But why? As you're exploring, you're you're feeling the sensation of being watched. Yeah, even though virtually no one else is there. But it's like emptiness has a presence. Like nothingness has a presence. Oh, it has you an know? enormous yeah. presence. And it's also the fact that how awkward 
EVP <laughs> sessions are. Especially when you're not being an asshole and trying to antagonize a ghost and be like... Right. Like, you want to approach it... Respectfully. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like, say, like, yo, it's no beef. Like, we're just here. But then well, how many... Que- we don't have that many questions. You're just like... Is there anyone here with us? Who are you? Is there anyone out there? Can anyone hear me? I felt like I was on the Titanic. (laughs) Can anyone hear me? That's all I can picture yeah. at the time and think about because every time you watch a ghost story or a paranormal investigation show, like on A&E, yeah. you, they just like, hey, all right, asshole, if you're there, if you're really dead and you're not a big old pussy, say something, <laughs> do something, grab my dick. I think I've seen some like paranormal shows where they're like honest, but I just couldn't. we were, you <laughs> we're know, we're fucking level. newbies, so we were like... Did anyone here pass in 1915? Did you die in 1915 specifically? On this specific date, also were you wearing a beret? No? All right, cool. Oh my God. Me and Adam, Adam and I, Mm. believe that we got an EVP. Tanae says it's an owl. It's not a fucking owl. It's an owl. It's not an owl. I will... Put it right here, and you guys let me know what you think. But it's not an owl. It's, I, it, it shot out to me while I was going through footage. We weren't walking. We weren't talking. It's while we were out there kind of just sitting still and looking around. We didn't hear anything at the time because we very clearly in other clips said, holy shit, that sounds like a creaking door because it did. Keep, mm-hmm. it kept sounding like a window or a creaking door. We were in the middle of the woods. Did you hear that? Yeah. I don't know. Like a bird or something. Cool. That sounds like a creaking door. But we did actually catch something. I'm going to place that here and tell me what you think. So, signs. Mm hmm. Doesn't it sound like the aliens from Signs in the <laughs> yes. baby monitor? And an owl. It also sounds It does like- not sound like an owl. It sounds like Joaquin Phoenix on top of a car with a baby monitor. Saying, children, go! Hasta la vista. What does he say? Vamanos. <laughs> yeah. So as the night progressed, I was awake and awake. Obviously, you hear things when you're in the woods. It doesn't matter, you know, no matter what you're going to hear, you know, little crickets and cracklings, cricklings and cracklings. Um, You're going to just hear noises and you're going to make up shit, you know, because you're in that environment. Okay, well, stop making excuses for what you heard and just say what you heard because you're trying to talk yourself out. No, I'm just saying, I'm I'm trying to be like, I was trying to be real. Like, I was trying to make sure that, like, I wasn't fucking myself over here Um, because I do that way too often in my life. And I was up in the middle of the night, definitely the witching hour, and I was, like, just chilling, and I for sure, I fucking for sure heard a woman singing, like, for real, I don't know the tune. I can't, like, imitate it. But I knew 
it was singing, and I know it wasn't Chelsea singing, because this shit was peaceful as fuck. Fuck? <laughs> you. No, it was just, it what, It sounded like a tune, you know, like, like an antiquated tune. And um, I said your name out loud. I was like, Chelsea? No response. So then I woke up Adam and I was like, I'm hearing shit. Like I'm, I heard singing, you know, whatever. And Adam was just like, mm, I'm sleeping, you know, whatever. I'm, pause. I am very disappointed in Adam for not immediately going, oh shit, let me grab a recorder. Well, Adam there's wasn't a- awake enough. He, well, there's no not way. an excuse I to know, not record a, yeah. a dead woman singing in the swamp. <laughs> See, I wish I would have heard someone singing, but I definitely heard something very large walking up to the camp from the woods because it was coming from the back of her tent and circling our tent. And it wasn't, you know, like Tanae like said, the woods, there's raccoons, there's possums, there's mm-hmm. this, there's that. It was big, so it was either a bear. An alligator on mm-hmm. its hind fucking legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, or a person. Yeah. It was circled around a couple times and then just stopped. But the thi- now that I'm thinking about it, it's even more fucking weird. Because it just stopped, and I never heard it walk back into the That's woods. That's not okay with me. <laughs> I didn't even think about that until kind of bringing up that memory and thinking about it again. Oh, my God. That's not all right. After we wrapped up the story of Julia Brown and the Rue Garou, my dad reminded me that he had a story about when he was a young boy camping in the swamp very much like we were. And he decided that he felt comfortable enough to share that with us. Our first guest of the podcast um, is my father, Reese Anthony. Hey, Chelsea. Hey there. The the first the guest on our podcast is the guy who put his pee in your oh mom's my pee. God. <laughs> he put his pee in your mom's pee. I bee. walked over here just to put my hand. Stop it. They had sex, oh and you came God. from it. Your dad's laughing because he's like, yeah, I I hit that. He's like, I hit that shit. I hit Miss Betty shit, yo. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, when me and your Uncle Tony was about 10, 11, we was camping like we are tonight and decided to go. Is this what that is? This is camping? Well, sort of, Oh, I I thought this was... A, like some kind of seance, it could orgy. Be. I mean, they still could have stuff come out the woods. That's true. We could, that still could happen. But we decided to go raid my grandma's house to get some food because that's what we did when we camped. And while we was walking over there, we looked off over the trees and there was a big glowing red ball that was coming from our left going down the road over the tree line. And it kind of went down the road and then made a right, which the road went towards Berg, which is Ferry Road, and they kind of followed that road and just kept going away. And the next thing, they had two helicopters behind it, following <gasps> it, and we watched them follow whatever the red ball was. But How big was it? It was pretty big. It wasn't nothing small. Like, you, it, 
you like, for sure were, was you were like both no, of you it were like that's about, not an airplane. No, it was not an airplane. It was something we never seen before. And did you feel like anything energetically weird? Uh, uh, it okay. was just. It was quiet. We didn't really hear it. You're like, we both had boners. Oh, my God. No, I didn't have a boner. Oh, my we God. Definitely... I cannot. <laughs> I'm going to go die right now and haunt this swamp. But we did find out, like, a couple of weeks before we seen it, uh, one of our older cousins, they had seen it towards the back of the woods. Whoa. So you, so you had family. Had other it. family saw it as well. Yeah, but it was a few weeks before they had seen it. Matter of fact, Gail seen it. She was washing dishes, and she looked out the window and seen it. I hear so f- frequently about, uh, w- with UF- UFO sightings or experiences or, like, extraterrestrial things, that it's, like, family, like, people in their family, know, like, have the same sort of experience either on that same day or, like, f- days later or whatever. It's bonkers. Yeah, it a couple of weeks later. yeah. But I never did figure out what it was. Never heard nothing about it. Wow. Do you? We got our food and went back to camping. You were like, I don't care. Really <laughs> no, like, we was going back camping. That's definitely my dad in a nutshell. He's like, yeah, well, cool. Yeah, it was like. I would definitely, I want to actually look up and see if there were any, like, reported sightings in an old newspaper. Oh, that'd be cool. Or anything, like, going through that. And I wonder if there was. Yeah, you can look. Because you were sure. young, you wouldn't have known if there was or not. Like, anything in the newspaper. No, it wasn't in the reading back then. Oh my God. <laughs> That's crazy. Anything else ever happened? Is that the, probably, is no, that, that the freakiest? that was the only thing I've ever seen that's unidentified. I mean, yeah. never knew what it was. And, uh, Boners watching a porn UFO. Wow. All right, that's Tanae signing off because <laughs> she's about to die. <laughs> So it wasn't planned to have Dad come along with us. He wasn't a pre-planned guest. But I feel super, super fortunate. And I almost feel as if the stars aligned having him there with us for an episode. And not only any episode, but specifically the Manchac episode. Myself and my dad and my mom, we are all Cajun. We've grown up exploring the swamps and and going out there. The Rougarou is a story specifically that is very close to home and special to me. And we're very proud of our Cajun ancestry. I think the biggest facet of generational storytelling and the importance is we wouldn't be going to any of these locations if each generation hadn't passed down stories of their experiences to the next generation. Everybody can find the history. We all know the history. You can look on Google. But the supernatural occurrences, the effects that it has on a family or a person, that's something that is passed down by word of mouth. And despite not having experienced a supernatural event to the degree that I was really hoping for, it was a huge achievement for us to go out and shoot our first episode in the most difficult location possible and not having any facilities, having to take a boat 20 minutes out there to even get there. I felt like we really showed that we do have some balls going out in that swamp in the middle of the night. And it's definitely an invaluable memory and experience for myself. I'm very proud of it and I'm very excited for what we have to come.